Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So we've been looking at the Philippian church, overflowing joy. The idea behind the series is that whenever the Philippians are mentioned in the Bible, the word joy goes with them. And we're trying to study this little group of Christians to say, how can we have the joy they've had? And it's been wonderful. We've interspersed the series with other talks from other people and other subjects, but I really believe that this one is one that's kind of seeping into our souls. And I'm going to try and finish it this week or the week after the Nation's Sunday. And today I'm talking about three things, which I want you to say with me. Can you say inside out? Can you say upside down? Can you say back to front? The Bible talks about Christianity inside out, back to front, upside down. It's a different paradigm when we come into Christianity. I don't know if you've ever seen this experiment where they put a a pair of glasses on a person which inverts, it flips the world upside down for them when they're looking out of them. Have you ever seen that experiment? It's an extraordinary experiment. They, They design these glasses and this lady puts them on and for the first day or so she just can't function because everything's upside down and she's trying to pour water and she can't she's trying to write she's trying to walk she's trying to open doors and she can't but slowly her brain adjusts and eventually after a few days her brain flips everything up and she sees the world the right way up even though the glasses have turned it upside down Have you seen, heard of that experiment? It's extraordinary. And then she takes the glasses off and it takes her brain only about an hour to readjust back to what they were. And when I was researching that and I was looking at that that experiment, they said most scientists believe that when we are born as babies, we see the world upside down because of the lenses in our eyes and all that, It, it inverts the image, but our brain learns to flip it up. So did you know that actually you're seeing the world upside down, but your brain has learned to flip it up the right way. Isn't that weird? And then I thought, Christianity is like that. We come in and we've been used to seeing the world from a worldly perspective, and suddenly now God says, everything you thought was up is down, and everything you thought was down is up. And then I was watching... There's, there's this, this sport called sprint cycling. Has anyone ever seen a sprint cycling race? It is the most extraordinary thing. The race is 1,000 meters long, 990 meters long, a track of 330 meters that they have to go around three times. But for the first two and a half laps, almost the whole race, they are trying to come last. Have you seen it? They get to the point where they stood still, balancing on their bike, so that the people will go in front of them. And there's two cyclists trying to be lost. Why? So that when they start their sprint in the last 200 meters, they're behind the other guy so that they can be in his slipstream and they can go faster with less energy expired. And it's just so weird to see somebody coming into a race who didn't know that would have just started as fast as they could. And the rules are all back to front. And I thought we can come into Christianity thinking the normal rules that we've learned since we were babies apply and they're the opposite rules in Christianity. 
One more illustration. There's this little card game on a computer called Hearts, where you have to lose the, the hearts in your hand, rather than gaining and winning the tricks. Most card games, you have to win as many cards as you can, and then you're the winner. In hearts, you have to lose. And I joined a company when I was in my early 20s, and every lunchtime in the office, it was the early 1990s when computers were first getting networked, and everyone in the office played a game of hearts together, and the boss was the champion, and he got such a kick out of, we were all going in there with this mindset of, let me win as many hands as I could. And he knew the rules about losing the hearts, and he would just cackle from his office, because we were all in different offices playing. And you would just hear this cackling laughter as he, as he won every single round by losing all the hearts. And I remember thinking, there's rules here that I've got to adjust to. When we come into Christianity, it's inside out, it's upside down, it's back to front. And the Philippians got it because in the book of Philippians, he talks about this so much that it must be linked to joy. I've got a strong belief that if we come into Christianity thinking the normal rules apply, we won't get the joy of the Lord. But if we learn to go inside out, upside down, back to front, we will get the joy of the Lord. So let's look at the first verse. It's Philippians 2 verses 12 and 13. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I want to show you that that verse is a weird paradox. First of all, he says you work out your salvation because it's God who's working in you. Those two don't go together. Then he says you've got to work it out because God is making you will and do. God is making you want to do his will and able to do his will inside of you. And then he says, work out your salvation. In other words, it comes from the inside out. Work out your salvation instead of the normal way, which is what religiousness is, which says work hard on the outside and you'll make your inside pure. He says your inside's already pure. Your inside already has the power of God in it. God already inside of you has given you the will and the desire and the ability to do what he wants. And you've just got to let it come out. It's inside out. Do you see that? And it's strange. You see, for all the years of the Old Testament before Jesus came... People were looking at rules and laws that were written on tablets of stone or parchment from the outside. They were looking from the outside with their physical senses and their fleshly understanding and, and senses. And they were looking from the outside and the rules said, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. And they were saying, let me go from the outside and try with my own strength and then I'll be made clean on the inside. And it never worked. And it can never work because our flesh is weak. But God did an amazing thing. In Jeremiah 31, he says, I'm going to put my laws in their hearts and in their minds. In Ezekiel, he says, I'm going to give them a heart of flesh instead of their heart of stone. And I'm going to make them want to serve me. 
He says, I'm going to make you a new creation on the inside. Instead of writing my laws on a tablet of stone on the outside, I'm going to write it on the inside. But the problem is most of us have been so used to our whole lives living based on outside evidence. What does my flesh say? What can I touch and sense and measure and see and taste? And so everything we've learned comes from the outside in. And God said it's an inside out relationship. I've already put it in you. Now you've got to work it out with fear and trembling. It's an inside out Christianity. And so many of us come and we've misunderstood the rules. We think it's a game of cards where I have to win, win, win. And he says, no, lose, lose, lose. We think it's a, a race where I have to run as fast as I can. He says, no, let the other person go first. We, we think it's all this way up, but he says, no, no, it's actually that way up. The second is upside down. So inside out was the first one. The second is upside down. If you look at Philippians chapter 2, I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 3 will come up on the screen. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Upside down. You know, the world says, put yourself above. Esteem yourself above others. Look out for number one. We say things like, I know this isn't the nice thing to do, but I've got to look out for myself, don't I? I'm just, I'm just looking out for my own interests. I'm just taking care of myself. And that whole passage, which we've looked at in previous weeks, says, let, be, let your mind be the same as Jesus' mind. He knew he was God, but he made himself nothing. He humbled himself. He became a servant, and he died on a cross. And because of that, God has exalted him to the highest place. He says, if you want to be up, get down. It's back to front. It's upside down. If you want to be first, be last. Didn't Jesus say that? How many times did Jesus say, if you want to be first, you must be last? And we come in with our mindset from the world. You know, we rush into Christianity, a bit like rushing into church with our business clothes on. We've just been in a business meeting where we're trying to jostle for the best deal. And we're trying to push people down and get what's right for us. And we come into Christianity and we bring all of that, those rules of that game into here. And we think that's what Christianity is about. And so you get Christians jostling with each other. And Jesus said, just like he said to his disciples. In fact, let me read it to you. Matthew 16 Jesus said for whoever desires to save his life will lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul or what can a man give in exchange for his soul and then mark 9 Jesus said but they kept silent for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest and Jesus sat down called the 12 and said to them if anyone desires to be first he shall be last of all and servant of all and I want to say to you if you are not experiencing the joy of the Lord it might be because you're trying to race a cycling sprint race using the rules that you always thought applied and you're wondering why you're not winning and Jesus said, it's an upside down kingdom. If you want to be first, you'll be last. If you want to be, have the greatest position at the table, don't go and sit next to the master of the table. Take the humblest seat. 
Make yourself low. Jesus took off his robes and put on a towel and started washing the disciples' feet. He said, upside down, last first. So inside out, upside down. The third one is back to front. We look backwards, and I'm speaking for myself here. I'm, I'm being honest with you. When somebody says to me, who are you? Or maybe they don't even say that, but I walk into a situation where I have to try and meet new people or, or show who I am. And my natural tendency is to fall back on the past, backwards. I say, this is what I've done. This is the job. This is the achievements. This is my family background. This is my education. This is how great I've been in the past. I look backwards and I say, look at how great I am. But in Christianity, we look forwards to heaven and we say, we are not great. We are going to be sitting at the throne at the feet of Jesus, casting our crowns before him. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are hidden in Christ. And my identity, the past is rubbish, Paul says in Philippians 3. I count it rubbish and I press on and I look forward to the prize. And that's my identity. And when I come into a new situation, I don't try and say, look how great I am. I say, Christ is great. I belong in heaven. It's not all these worldly things that, that make me great or give me joy. My citizenship is in heaven. Let me read you a couple of those verses. Philippians 3, verses 5 to 7. Well, we read that last week, a couple of weeks ago. Paul says, if anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh, look at me. I was great. I was circumcised. I was a Pharisee. And then he says, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And then he says in verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. And then in verse 20, which will come up on your screen, he says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's back to front. I was talking to a lady recently. And she's a lovely lady. And she was saying, I made some mistakes. I've entered into some relationships that I'm not sure God was leading me into. And this has happened to me. And I've done this wrong. And I've done this wrong. And she was listing all the things that she'd done wrong. And I loved her heart because she was being very vulnerable and honest and humble. But I had to gently but strongly say to her, stop looking backwards. You know, have you ever noticed how big the windscreen in a car is? It's big, isn't it? The windscreen of your car is large. It's like probably a couple of meters across and nearly a meter tall. It's a large windscreen. And then just in the middle at the top of the windscreen, there's another piece of glass that's the same shape, but it's very small. And that's your rear view mirror. Have you seen that? Friends, in your Christian life, we need to look forward with a big view and say, look where God is taking me. Look what God has done for me and look where he's calling me to. Press on. 
And we need to forget what's behind and have a very small rear view mirror where we just glance back every now and again to check that we're still on the right course. The problem is most of us are driving along and we are just looking in our rear view mirror all the time. All the things we've done define us. All the problems that have happened to us in the past, we can't let go of them. We're just thinking about the past all the time. And we're thinking we're bound by it, or we're proud of it, and we're not looking forward to the great things God has for us. And I want to say to you that there's a verse in the Bible that says, God works all things together for good to those who love Him. And that means all the good things in your past as well as all the bad. He works those together for a good future. And we need to stop staring in that rearview mirror and start looking forward. And there's a word for someone here today. You've been defined either by failure or success in your past. And God says, forget that. Forget what's behind. It's rubbish. And press on and look forward. Your identity is in Christ. It's not in your nationality or your achievements or the bad things that have happened to you. You know, if you refuse to put the past behind you, you're calling God a liar because he says if you confess your sins, he, he is faithful and just to forgive them and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It says as far as the east is from the west, he removes our transgressions from us. And if you say, no, I'm still living under the guilt or, or the, the pain of what I've done or what's been done to me, you're saying God is a liar. Start agreeing with God and saying the past is behind. It's a new day. God can work all things together for good Amen. for me. Amen? So, Christianity is inside out. It's not about what your fleshly five senses can work out, your logic. It's not about what the world says. It's not about what the physical mirror says you are. It's about what God has done inside of you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, this is a very important thing. I've got to take this seriously. I've got to work out the salvation that God has put in me. Because God is at work in you. That word is energeo. It means strong energy power. God has put power inside you to will, to want to do what he, what he wants, and to do, to be able to do what He wants. He's put that energy within you, and you've just got to let it out. And the way we do that is having this mind of Christ and saying, Lord, I'm going to trust what your word says about me, not what the physical evidence says. It's an inside out. It's an upside down. I've got to be last to be first. I've got to humble myself and not try to get the glory or the power. And it's a back to front. I've got to look forward instead of backwards. And then lastly, it's a, it's a, a sow to reap or a give to get kingdom. And this is what the Philippians got as well. You know, in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says to them, I'm so grateful to the, for the gift that you've given me, but it's not because I need money, he says. I'm looking for what can be credited to your account, the NIV says, or what could abound, the fruit that could abound to your account. What he's saying is there's an account, a bank account in heaven for the Philippians, and every time they gave him money, he didn't need it, but he says, I'm so glad you've given because it's, it's being multiplied in your account in heaven. And again, this is different to what the world says. The world says, conserve. 
The world says only give if you absolutely have to or if you can get something out of that person. And God's kingdom says give because you're looking at a heavenly future. I want to tell you two illustrations. The first is of a man who's in the desert and he's dying of thirst. And he comes across a pump in the middle of the desert. He's crawling through the sand, parched throat, dry eyes. He's dying of thirst and he sees a pump and there's a little cup of water next to the pump. And a little sign that says, this pump will give you all the water you need. However, you have to prime the pump with the water that's in the glass. If you pour the water that's in the glass into the top of the pump, it will be primed and ready and then you can pull the lever and you will have endless water. However, you must leave a full glass for the next person. And he must decide, do I drink the water or do I believe what the sign says? Because if I pour it in and that sign's lying, then I've lost my life. But if I pour it in, I could get everlasting water as much as I want. The second illustration is of people in Africa who live in very dry climates. And when the rainy season comes, they have abundant harvest, let's say maize. And they get lots and lots of maize and it's enough for them to eat. But then the, the season ends and we go into the dry months. And for the first couple of dry months, there's enough food left over. But eventually we get to the stage where there's no food left and people are dying of hunger. And they're scratching around, they're eating berries and roots and they're just trying to find a little bit of food. And, and one of the little boys goes into one of the village huts and he sees a bag hanging on the wall and he puts his hand in and he takes out a handful of grain and he runs to his dad. He says, Dad, we've got food. Look, come, let me show you. There's grain in this bag. We can eat again. And his dad says, no, my son, that is the seed for next season's harvest. And if we eat it, we will die next season because there'll be nothing to plant. We cannot eat that. We must plant that. We must wait. And the Philippians understood that the world says whatever you can get, consume. But God's word says sow so that you can reap. And you may not reap in this life. It may be a heavenly reaping or it may be others in the world who get saved as part of your harvest. But sow so that you can reap. It's a bit like the person in the desert pouring the water into the priming pump. It's, it's like the, the little village saying we're going to sow our seed rather than eat it. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, writing, he's just been talking about the Philippians. And he talks about how they cheerfully gave. There was overflowing joy when they gave. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. In fact, I'm going to read you these verses because they're so powerful. So, Paul is boasting to the Corinthians about the Philippians. And in chapter 8, he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, or Philippi, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy 
and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the partnership or fellowship of the ministering to the saints. He says their joy overflowed even though they were poor because they were giving, they were pouring water into the priming pump. Why? Then he goes on in chapter 9 to explain it. Verse 6, he says, This I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's talking about the Philippians, a cheerful giver. He says it's not because it feels right or because someone's pressuring you. It's because you've decided, I know it's an upside down kingdom. I sow to reap. And then he goes on, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. And then in verse 10, he says something very interesting. Remember what I said about seed, eating and planting. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He says, out of all the resources you have, some of it is seed to be planted and some is bread to be eaten. He said, now he who supplies seed and bread, may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. He says, you've got to decide which is seed and which is bread. And when you plant the seed, that's what God multiplies. He doesn't multiply what we eat. So it's an inside out, upside down, back to front kingdom. And it's a give to get kingdom. But it may not be we get in this world. God will pour through us but our main reward is in heaven. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.